Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Why do we put up with the state of our hospitals. A question asked by a very senior doctor over the weekend Her, himself, or his name rather, is Professor Ronan Collins. He's a Corkman. He's consultant physician in geriatric and stroke medicine at Tala Hospital. And he joins me now. A very stark article, Ronan. I read it at the weekend. Good morning to you. Good morning, and a proud conceal man, I might add, PJ. Good for you, good for you, sir. And on that note, I think just a, a word of congratulations uh, to John Murphy uh, from Conceal, who had another outstanding round in the Open de España uh, there yesterday. A real, real great prospect. And, Isn't you know, he just? A, a real fantastic uh, uh, Cork sportsman just starting out on his professional career, so best of luck to John, too. And so say all of us. Ronan. The state of our hospitals, you asked the simple question, why do we put up with them? You work in our hospitals. First of all, why are they in the state they're in? Well, I, I suppose there's an evolution of, of the hospital system in general over you know, decades of years. Um, and there's been a slow move away from what started out like Nightingale wards uh, to almost like um, um, community housing of people with illness. Uh, probably inherited from an era when there was a lot of infectious illness and people were cohorted together. Um, and then to a more modern thinking, really, that the accommodation in hospitals really needs to be a little bit more mindful of um, hospital-acquired infection, but also more mindful of the actual need for people to feel secure, um, to feel kind of you know, relaxed, um, and also to feel kind of, you know, and not to be psychologically uh, and physically uh, kind of worsened by the hospital environment. Uh, and I suppose most of us, many of us, I suppose, really in the professions and nursing and healthcare would feel that m- most of our modern hospital bed stock is now outdated and not suitable for purpose. I think the pandemic has probably even shown a greater focus on that. And I suppose what I'm asking, I suppose, what I was trying to point out in the article is that my opinion is one thing, uh, but I suppose there does need to be a bit of a discussion about this at all levels of society. Mm-hmm. You make the point that we've over 700 vacant consultant posts. Recruitment of nursing staff is an ongoing challenge. And you say poor working environment is an important factor. Are you saying that our health service, you clearly are saying our health service, is not an attractive place for someone to seek work? The environments are very difficult to work in. 
Um, the way some of our bedstock and wards are laid out is very unfair to patients, in my opinion, but it's also extremely difficult for staff in order to try and look after patients with, with privacy, um, with dignity, um, and to give them time and care uh, the way the environment is structured. Um, and, and that's a relevant factor. Um, you know, you can't encourage people to work in environments that are, 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 are very challenging all the time. Uh, and we have a turnover problem. And we have people fleeing the hospitals, both at medical level, at nursing level, um, at health and social care uh, professional level, um, to take up you know, better environment jobs or in the community, uh, in private hospitals, or indeed abroad where uh, the health service has been more modernised. And the it's a challenge. Constant um, horror stories coming out of the ED, say at CUH or any other ED in the country, Limerick being a particularly bad one, and I'm sure in Dublin they're just as, as busy. Patients on trolleys or even plastic chairs for days and nights on end. And I'm sure you and your colleagues walking around watching these people, knowing it's not right, but do you feel powerless that you can't do anything about it? Well, the first thing to say is that the emergency department is one issue, and that's an issue about admission um, and whether people needed to attend the emergency department, then the, you know, the capacity of the hospital to deal with the admissions, and that's one aspect of the problem, uh, to understand the demand on the services and the capacity we have. Uh, and you know, some of that needs to be addressed as well in a preventative fashion, in a primary care fashion and resourcing, um, because not everything that turns up in the emergency department needs to be admitted. That being said, a good bulk of it does. Uh, and so then we do need the capacity and better designs for emergency department. But I was also getting at and that once people are admitted to hospitals, most of our wards across our hospital system um, is now of a very poor accommodation standard, in my opinion. It's very difficult to give patients privacy. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to give patients kind of um, proper care. Um, and in some respects, the psychological and physical impact of the hospital environment on patients very often actually worsens people's condition, particularly older people. Um, you will know locally, for example, there was an appeal launched by my colleagues who work in geriatric medicine, Cork University Hospital, through the CUH charity um, for um, a dignity ward, for a complete refurbishment and upgrading mm. the design uh, of the wards that look after, have a special interest in looking after age-related healthcare and older population. And you know, uh, and I would support that, but it's kind of sad in a way um, that we have to actually appeal to a charity to try and actually recognise the fact that we have a problem on our boards. Um, and you know, I, I, my own my own feeling on this is that when you work in the system, and obviously I've worked not just in Ireland but in the UK, it's it's not a problem to one hospital nor indeed to one country. Um, and I would have you tend to get almost yeah, accustomed to what you see and treat it as being normal. Mm. It's only when you actually sit back and try and put yourself in a patient's shoes and see the hospital ward from the patient's experience, you begin to realise that some of this really is not really of a standard we should be aiming for and we need to do better. And I suppose what I would be asking for is, number one, a discussion about it, and number two then, to start setting some minimum standards uh, of accommodation uh, and, and care standards within our hospitals. 
I mean, I, I raised this once before when I was visiting another hospital as part of a, another job in terms of stroke program, mm. and there happened to be an inspection team in the hospital, and I pointed out to them, I said, look at the space between the beds there. Do you think that's adequate? Uh, to which, you know, I was told, well, that's not on our inspection checklist. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not good enough. It should be fundamental. Um, you know, we need far more. The majority of our housing stock, our accommodation stock, should be single-roomed with individualised private bathrooms for all sorts of reasons. I mean, many older people, many people in hospital in general are sick. Um, and, you know, people in hospital have complex care needs. Um, you know, people need to be allowed to vomit in privacy. They need to be allowed to be, you know, have diarrhea and have being content and not make it in time in relative privacy uh, because that is the nature of being medically unwell uh, and our system doesn't facilitate that and I think at times it can be relatively dehumanising both for patients and staff to try and cope with the wards the way we have them That's a very profound thing you've just said people need to be able to have privacy to vomit and privacy to have diarrhea yeah, they do, and people also need to have the privacy to emotionally express themselves. You know, it's very difficult on a ward, um, you know, when you, you've got bad news, or even to be given bad news. At times, across our hospital system, we don't have places to bring patients to even tell them bad news. Um, and so you're trying to have a hushed conversation, which can be very serious at times, behind a plasticated curtain, and, you know, that really is not good enough. Um, and uh, you know, I, it, this is not a single institution problem. Um, this is across our country, and in my experience, was quite prevalent in the UK as well. Mm-hmm. But I think until society has a discussion about what our hospitals should look like, we're not going to move. I mean, I laud the fact that Children's um, Health Ireland. I'm not going to get into a debate about how much it's costing, uh, but Children's Health Ireland you know, have at least pushed the agenda to say that we want proper accommodation for children's health care needs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they've got um, a brand new hospital in St. James's uh, being built and two other units, um, um, uh, one in Tallinn, one in Connolly as well, which will be of a modern standard. Now, the bulk of our population that get very sick, uh, the majority of them are older people, mm-hmm. uh, are adults. And it's when we look at our your teaching hospital systems, and I'm focused on our teaching hospital systems when I'm talking about this, they really need a, a refit. And I suppose what I would be saying, number one, is that there need to be a, a societal discussion about it. I think our public representatives need to wake up to the fact and, and look at the reality uh, of the accommodation in our healthcare system. And then I think we need an organised programme of refit and redevelopment of mm-hmm. our public teaching hospitals uh, and to put the public faith uh, and also pride for those who actually attend the hospitals and those who work in the hospitals back into our teaching university hospital system, which is the system for all. Um, and I do worry, um, and I'll be honest, I do worry about the way Sloan to Care was configured. Yeah. Is that what it would result in really is that, as I said, the two tiers of where I choose to go to be treated and where I have to go to be treated. Yes. And, and there's a fundamental difference in that. You say, in, you say Sloan's care is correct and ambitious in its aim to provide more care in the community, but it won't solve our hospital problems. So you're saying Sloan's care, as it's presently planned out, won't solve the problems we've just been talking about. Well, what will? 
Well, it, it, the problem is is that you can't have overemphasis just on the community. I mean, you can't treat acute heart attacks or acute stroke or cancer surgery or uh, you know, serious pneumonias. You can't treat that in the community. So you still need a hospital system. Now, I had one experience of this kind of transformative healthcare maybe when I was a younger doctor in the UK, and I saw, for example, the funding arm being put into primary healthcare trust. And, and, and what you got then was got you got a skewed view of things, where there was massive investment into the community, which essentially stripped the hospitals of all their manpower um, and a lot of their resources. And, and then we had, a, we had a bigger problem in our acute hospitals because we still needed to treat these. So you need a balanced approach. Mm-hmm. You have to invest in primary care because primary care is the fundamental of preventing health from deteriorating, from preventing many of these conditions. People coming to hospitals that don't actually need to be there. Lastly, and briefly, Professor Collins, um, you you say that there's no point in bank holidays, there's no point in talking about bonuses if all this is going to continue. Well, my own view, and it's a personal view, but I don't think I'm alone in this view. Many of us feel in the health service, and I'm not just talking about maybe what people would view as well-paid doctors, many of us in the health service feel that to try and this discussion about rewarding frontline staff, front staff could potentially be socially divisive. It could also be internally divisive, to be honest with you. Um, uh, and so I feel if you ask people in general, people would say, do you know what, if you actually gave us a programme that you're going to invest in improving um, the actual environments inside in our hospitals, we'd actually probably prefer that. All right, listen, thank you for your time this morning. Uh, Professor Ronan Collins uh, from Kinsale, very proud of that fact, but based at Tala Hospital in Dublin, where he's a geriatrician and stroke consultant. Corks 96 FM.